Welcome to Philosophers on Medicine. Side effects include having your mind blown. I'm Jonathan Fuller. Often, when philosophical questions are asked about pregnancy, they concern ethical problems, about abortion, surrogacy, or assisted conception. But the answers to these questions might depend in part on answers to metaphysical questions. One of these metaphysical questions concerns the relationship between the mother and her fetus. Is the mother a biological container for her developing baby, or is the fetus a part of the mother? It's a question that may have important implications, but it's also one of the big existential questions of life, a question about what it is to be human. Today's consultation is with philosopher Elsa Lane Kingma, Associate Professor in Philosophy at the University of Southampton. Elsa Lane Kingma, thanks for joining us. Thank you. So we're going to be talking about the metaphysics of pregnancy, but first of all, what is metaphysics? Often philosophy gets divided in three areas, ethics, epistemology, and metaphysics, where ethics are questions about what we should do or how we ought to live, where epistemology is what we can know about the world, and where metaphysics is about what there is in the world. So metaphysics asks questions about time or causation or whether there is anything in the world. And you might wonder, wait, surely that is what the sciences do. And partially that's true. Metaphysics, of course, started as the earliest branch of the sciences. And sciences will answer many metaphysical questions for us. But there are always questions remaining that the sciences, at least in the mind of the philosopher, only partially answers. And that's where metaphysics steps in. Okay, so then what is the metaphysics of pregnancy? Yeah, so that's somewhat a term of my own invention, but what I take it to be is to ask metaphysical questions about pregnancy. So not ethical questions, not about what pregnant women should do, for example, or whether we can abort fetuses. Not really epistemological questions, what can we know about pregnancy, but really what is that state of pregnancy? And I think what is striking about it is that um, you know, pregnancy is the way by which every single one of us was brought into existence, yet there's remarkably little work on pregnancy and birth. So if you compare this to, for example, death, which is deemed a very legitimate and big philosophical topic on which there's lots of writing, and death is just the end of a life, right? The start of a life is much messier. I mean, it takes a much longer time. I think it's even vaguer when things start. And above all, and that's what makes the metaphysics of pregnancy and the metaphysics of the beginning of life of mammals so interesting as opposed to the metaphysics of the beginning of fish is that there seem to be these two animals or these two organisms right the pregnant mother and the developing baby that are intertwined for such a long time and that makes it really interesting to ask well what is this state of pregnancy so oftentimes in philosophy, we mark out the territory of a particular field of inquiry based on some core questions that people working in that area will ask. So is there a core question or a handful of core questions that you think define this area of philosophical inquiry, the metaphysics of pregnancy? Yeah, what are the core questions for the metaphysics of pregnancy? So for me, I've set up the core question as what is the relationship between a fetus and a maternal organism? I take that to be the core question, but that is only really because the other core question that I think is involved in pregnancy, which is something like, 
when and how does the developing organism become a human or a person or an organism or how should we think about that process that's a question that lots and lots and lots of people have thought about um, if nobody thought about that question i would think that was a core question too and when when you look at that development over time of a zygote into an embryo into a fetus etc right when interesting things happens there that's very well described although not agreed upon and then what is completely missing is any attention to the fact that in mammals, although not in fish, this process happens entirely in other organisms. So I think in the current state of the literature, our core focus should really be, well, what is the state of pregnancy? And I take that to be, what is the relationship between a fetus and a maternal organism? Okay, then turning to that question, what is the relationship between the fetus and the maternal organism? What are the answers that a philosopher might give? Yeah, so I should add, you know, this is a very new field. So there is a lot more to say, I think, than where I'm starting. But where I'm currently starting is I can think it's fairly uncontroversial that the fetus is inside the maternal organism. Uh, actual question to ask well, is to say, well, is it a part of that maternal organism or is it not a part of the maternal organism? Uh, and one reason for asking that question is it seems that most people perhaps implicitly have the view that the fetus is inside the maternal organism, but not in any way part of her or even intertwined with her. And that's a picture that seems to be promoted by a lot of our cultural understanding of a pregnancy. And I think there are very good reasons for thinking that actually the fetus is a part of the maternal organism, at least in biological terms, right? Not in various other terms. If you think that fetuses are, are persons or have souls, it wouldn't be obvious to me at all that the soul of the fetus would be part of the soul of the maternal organism, right? I want to just emphasize there are many further questions you can ask here. But in terms of thinking of these entities as biological organisms, whether they be human organisms or dolphin organisms, I think there are good reasons for thinking that the fetus is part of the maternal organism. Now, there are lots of further things to be done. Maybe even multiple ways of understanding parthood can exist simultaneously so that the question gets answered differently for different understandings of parthood. But I think this is a good place to start to get those two understandings on the table. Is it fair to say that the fetal container model is the received view in philosophy? Yeah, so I take the fetal container view, right, to be the view that a fetus is not a part of the maternal organism, but is merely residing inside it. Is that the received view in philosophy? It is really difficult to say because the area is so understudied and underthought that people very rarely make explicit what their assumptions here are. My impression is that that understanding is very much implicitly alive. And I think you can find that in part because people spent so much effort thinking about the development of the embryo fetus without ever considering that maybe it is part of this other organism that that may affect what we should say about it because for many things we do think it matters whether it's part of something else and there's a venerable tradition in philosophy that will say something like uh, whether something is a rock depends intrinsically on various things right whether it's hard and whether the parts are connected and whether it's made of stone but it also depends extrinsically on whether it's part of a rock face um, right it's not that a piece of rock when it was still part of a mountain was a piece of rock we thought it was just part of a mountain so there's at least a tradition where we think it, it matters whether things are parts of other things the fact that 
the possibility of such a question being relevant to pregnancy never even shows up anywhere in the literature, I think is some indication that people implicitly hold a fetal container view of pregnancy. But it's a bit difficult to make hard because it's sort of so widely assumed that it's not even spoken about. If the fetal container model is widely implicitly assumed, are there any problems with the model itself philosophically that we should be concerned about? So are there any problems with the the view that the fetus is inside but not part of the mother? I mean, yeah, I think that the barest glimpse of the reality of pregnancy just immediately makes you think, how could anybody come up with that idea, right? So kind of statements where you find explicit statements about the relationship between the fetus and the maternal organism, and these statements are rare. But where you find them, right? Um, you sometimes find people saying things like the fetus is merely inside the maternal organism, and they might make a comparison to the way a tub of yogurt sits in the fridge or the way a fish is inside an aquarium. And, you know, it's just evidence. I mean, it doesn't require much knowledge of physiology to know that pregnancy really isn't like that at all, right? There's not this little fetus floating inside a bowl of liquid, but we get this enormous physiological connection between the developing embryo and the maternal organism via the umbilical cord and via the placenta, you know, which a medical audience will know is a very interesting and very complex organ where we get the kind of direct connections between maternal and fetal cells, right? We don't have kind of a membrane separating the fetal parts from the maternal parts. And indeed, when a placenta separates, we have a wound, a pretty dangerous one at that if things don't happen the way they should. So I think on the face of it, it's a really funny view. It would be just as funny as to say, well, you know, a kidney isn't part of, but merely contained within you. I mean, if you just had a sort of look, you'd think, no, it's a part. Now, there's obviously a lot more to say about this. You know, you can start making arguments back and forth. But I think that the parthood model has a lot to go for it. And in many ways, is a much more likely point of departure than the containment model. But given that there's so little explicitly articulated here, there's also very little in terms of explicit arguments of why people would hold the containment view in which we have this thing that is merely contained within, but not part of the maternal organism. Is it just a topological problem? So is the only problem with the fetal container model that we can't you know, take out a knife and cut where the mother ends and the fetus begins? Or are there other problems, independent problems, with conceiving of the relationship between the fetus and the mother in this way? How do you establish whether the fetus is part of the maternal organism or not? Well, to do that is you need to have some kind of general conception of what an organism is, and more importantly, how do you determine what is and isn't part of the organism? And you know, one way you might do that, and indeed not a very convincing way, is by looking at topology in terms of spatial discontinuities. There's some reason for thinking that. I mean, there's some reason for thinking that, you know, my clothes aren't part of me, but my skin is. My skin is my boundary, and the clothes are outside that. And on that view, I think it's quite obvious that the fetus is a part. But you might appeal to other things like functional integration or like metabolic unity or immunological tolerance. And then things rapidly get very messy. So one thing my project does is it sort of turns towards the philosophy of biology to look at what they say about organisms. And then what you find is that what they say about organisms is extremely messy and it's far from settled what an organism is and what its boundaries are. Now, I think that on most of the conceptions out there, we still have a very good case for the fetus being part of the maternal organism and that it is immunologically tolerated 
and metabolically integrated and functionally integrated. Um, I think above all, what's sort of interesting here is that in philosophy of biology, we tend to think that mammals and birds survive as these straightforward, uncomplicated entities that are spatially bounded. And I think that may or may not hold for non-pregnant organisms, but pregnant organisms are really quite messy. And that's where the metaphysics of pregnancy, I think, becomes very interesting. Why is it important that philosophers study this relationship between a mother and their fetus? Or is it important? Well, I think partially it's just important because philosophy is often thought as something that engages with life's big questions. And, you know, just as I said, something like death is certainly one of life's biggest questions. Well, surely birth and our origin is one of life's big questions. I mean, pregnancy and birth is how we all came to be. So I think if we want to understand the earliest beginnings, we want to seriously engage with what this means. It's something that roughly half of us, slightly less than half of us, experience repeatedly as very profound and important aspect of our adult lives. This is the human condition. So insofar as philosophy wants to engage with big and important existential questions, what we are and how we came to be and how we should live our lives. A pregnancy should just be up there, right? A pregnancy and birth should just be up there with death and adolescence and sex and any other kind of big human stuff. So that's one reason I think it's important. Another reason why I think it's important is so when we ask moral questions in the area of pregnancy and birth, and I should add there because this area is sort of so myopic in its thinking that when I think of ethical questions, I do not just think of abortion questions. We want to answer moral questions anywhere in the world. We want to get our metaphysics right. We want to get that which we are talking about Right? We want to get the facts on the grounds correct. If we talk about poverty, we want to have at least our figures of how much poverty there is or how poverty affects people. We want to get that right before we know what we're going to do. And similarly for pregnancy, we want to have our understanding of pregnancy correct before we are then going to engage in the ethical arguments about what should be done about the many questions here. I should stress that doesn't mean that the metaphysics is just going to determine your moral questions, but you do need to get your metaphysics right in order to have a, you know, a chance. So turning then to some of these other moral questions and other questions of significance to our lives, are there any implications for this question about what the relationship is between a mother and their fetus for the debate about when life begins? Well, I almost don't want to answer that question because I think it is sort of such an intractable question on which there's so much debate and I think a lot of it is poorly formed, right? So when did life begin? Four million years ago, it hasn't stopped since. That wasn't quite a question we wanted to ask. What we want to ask is when does a life begin, specifically a human life begins? So then we need to start defining what a life or a human life is. And there's so much on this that I don't really want to get into it. That said, I think, yes, the metaphysics of pregnancy might have something to say here, but what it says is not straightforward. It's not just going to give you an answer, but it might give you, on some assumptions, certain constraints on your answer. So if I'm right that the fetus is part of the maternal organism, then if you have the view of a human life, as in a human is this individual with its own boundaries and its own body, you know, which has certain rights, for example, rights to non-interference. Well, that kind of entity begins at birth because prior to birth, 
doesn't have its own boundaries. It doesn't have its own body. It's part of another body. And above all, it can't have a right to non-interference because a fetus by nature is interfered with the whole time. That's what it means to be part of another body. It doesn't have a self-standing existence that we can in principle leave alone and kind of not touch. And so you might think it's got to start before birth and that seems fairly plausible to me and at least some conceptions. Then of course it follows that if you think that the fetus is part of the maternal organism and a human life or a human person or a human individual starts before birth, that humans don't have all the properties that many people thought they have. So they're not essentially individual. They can be part of other humans. Conclusions we often draw when we become something a human don't hold, right? So many of our human rights, including rights to life and rights to non-interference, presuppose that we have separate bodies and that the natural state of existence is that I leave you alone. That relationship doesn't hold between the fetus and the maternal organism. Like the maternal organism cannot not interfere with the fetus. So many of the kind of quick inferences we might make from being a human to having certain rights or other kinds of moral conclusions seem to be predicated on a view of humans that cannot be applied. And so that means either you think humans start at birth and you keep your frameworks as they are, that's easy, but probably incorrect and non-palatable, or you think things happen prior to birth, but then if you take pregnancy seriously, you realize that certain moral structures aren't actually applicable to humans, not to all humans. So just to finish that off, right, so we're not going to get some straightforward answers, but given other assumptions, I think you can get certain constraints. And that's maybe also a reason why the fetal container model is implicitly so popular, because it avoids this mess. Once we have the parthood view and you don't have this independent existence anymore, lots of things might have to be revised. Are there any other interesting or important ethical implications that follow or are related to this question, what is the relationship between a fetus and their mother? Yeah, so, so once again, right, it's early days and a lot of this can't be made hard. And I should say in general, right, an ethical conclusion is never going to follow from a metaphysical argument without other assumptions and arguments. But that said, right, if you kind of wonder, well, how might this change our views on some things? One thing to think of is, for example, surrogacy, surrogacy pregnancy. So the way we now treat surrogacy pregnancy, often morally and legally, is very much in this containment view, right? We have an egg and a sperm and they form a zygote, an embryo, and that is the human. And now where we place the human, right, in which womb we let it develop, doesn't really matter. It's a bit like, do we put it in this house? Do we put it in that house? And we very much think of surrogate pregnancy as offering a service, right? As renting a room, room and board, maybe. If you think of the fetus as a part of the maternal organism, we might see that somewhat differently, right? We might see the giving and the implantation embryo as having something that becomes a part of a body, just somewhat in the way that if I donated my kidney to you, we'd think that the kidney would be part of your body now and I probably can't claim it back. And where, of course, then at the point of birth, unlike in a kidney transplantation, right, a part becomes a thing in its own right again. Under such a view, we might well think of some aspects of surrogacy a bit differently. So we might think about it less as kind of providing room and board or providing a labor, but we might think that it has at least some elements of um, the sale of body parts or just the production of children um, that we then sell. Just as much as if I get a sperm 
I then use that to produce a child that's ordinarily seen as my baby. So thinking about the metaphysics of pregnancy might result in slightly other ways of thinking about pregnancy that might well influence some of the social and moral ways in which we think of some aspects of surrogacy, which is not to argue against them. I mean, humans have been producing babies and selling babies, indeed, for all sorts of purposes throughout history. So stressing my early point that the metaphysics doesn't determine the ethics, right? I don't think this determines anything about whether surrogacy practice is right or wrong again you need lots of moral assumptions in conjunction with metaphysical views and how things are to think that thinking about a metaphysics differently might change for some people the kind of moral arguments that they think might be relevant here so another kind of thing where you know, maybe some of this matters is if you think of the, the kind of moral questions, unlike the abortion question, that the pregnant women face on almost a daily basis, and that are also very serious, right? Should I drink? Should I smoke? Should I eat healthily? How healthily should I eat? If I'm very constrained in my social circumstances as opposed to, you know, middle-class people worrying over a glass of wine, you know, and I have very limited resources, should I spend it on healthy food or folic acid or should I spend it on other things? And... People also worried us in terms of should we punish pregnant women that do certain things to a severe extent. And I think one thing where maybe thinking about the metaphysics might help is that we struggle to capture these things under our normal moral and legal notions, in part because the fetus and the mother are entwined in this really unusual and intricate way. Right? So there's a big difference between deciding to put alcohol in my baby's bottle which I can refrain from really easily, <laughs> really easily, right? As opposed to not putting any alcohol into the baby when it's in my womb, because the kind of costs involved, right? The restriction on freedom of pregnant women when not putting it into them when they're in your womb are so significantly higher. And we very quickly tend to think of pregnant behaviors as if it was this other affecting behavior, whereas it has many of the markers of self-affecting behavior. And I think possibly the metaphysics of pregnancy might help you think about this. So if you might think of pregnancy or as the future baby as being kind of grounded in the same organism as the future mother, one way to think of a pregnant person is somebody who has two futures. And so you might think that she has obligations towards her fetus, much as she has obligations towards her future self. You might think that those obligations are indeed very demanding, but because there are self-regarding obligations that have to do with your own body, you might also think they are not the kind of obligations that call for punishment or outside interference to the same degree that obligations toward physical others might have. So possibly taking seriously the state of pregnancy might also better help us think of what to do with those intractable moral questions that arise in pregnancy, which genuinely arise out of the fact pregnancy is not like ordinary relationships between physically separate people. Well, I've really enjoyed the discussion, so thanks for sitting down with me. Thank you very much. To hear more Philosophers on Medicine, visit www.philosophersonmedicine.com or find us on iTunes or Google Play.